Welcome to Nigun Zoom. I am Deborah Cohen and I am Marty Cohen. There you go, my <laughs> my beloved husband and together we are Nigun Zoom. There we go. And we just want to welcome you to listen to what we will share in this hour give you a greater understanding for those of you that are wondering what is a wordless melody and what use is it so we will discuss that today as you get comfortable be in a room where you're able to totally absorb what we're saying quiet all the noise mute your cell phone and make unless you're watching us on the cell phone yeah, there you go. And if you're if you're driving, don't close your eyes. Right. No. No. You know, we start praying. Keep your eyes praying with your eyes open is perfectly fine. Yes, it is. Yeah. And so we thank you for being here. And we're broadcasting from where? Milledgeville, Georgia. Where? We, it's central Georgia, about actually it's two and a half hours southeast of Atlanta. So we are in the piney woods and loving it. The piney Woods. All right. We like the Piney Woods. Indeed, we do. All right. I'm just getting my bearings here, and it looks like everything is working. So You know, I, I've got a real advantage here, okay? Uh -huh. Because I'm just sitting in a chair. I can rock in my chair. I don't have to push any buttons. I just get to schmooze with people and, and add to this awesome work that you've been doing. And I'm delighted and privileged to be with you today. So well, thank you, darling. Thank you, dearie. I appreciate that. So let us set the theme for today's discussion by sharing a Hasidic interpretation from our Siddur. And um, it says, yes? Tell them what Hasidic is. A lot of people don't know what Hasidic is. I and mean, it's Hasidic in, in uh, interpretation doesn't mean anything to some people. Hasidus. Yeah. It means holy people. Okay. The, the Hasidic movement was actually started by a rabbi called the Baal Shem Tov, which means the master of the good name. And he added something brand new to Jewish life. He added joy. You know, he was the first one to say, hey, when you're praying, clap your hands. And if you really want to get God's attention, get up and jump up and down because joy delights God. And we are in the month of Adar, which is the month of Purim. And actually, Purim happens this week. And so right now, our joy is full. And we want you to get in that state, too. Wow. Y'all come yes, with us. Absolutely. And uh, Marty, <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. But. Marty and I love to celebrate Kabbalat Shabbat with we our do. synagogue. We do. We do. Yes. There Tell is some, an abundance of joy. And we have Indeed. The, blessed opportunity because we're two and a half hours away from our synagogue in Atlanta until God willing, we are able to move closer, but we went there Friday night this past weekend and had oh. joyfully anointed time singing with Rabbi Sam Bluston and Melissa. Kudos to you. She has yes. an angelic Indeed voice. She does. And, so I'm sorry. Read on what you were doing. Oh, I'm sorry. That's I, okay, I, dear. I interrupted, but I thought it was significant, you know, because of course it is. You, you tell people what we're doing. And, yes. And we're yes. into this Hasidic stuff because oh, we yes. like joy. 
We're Hasidic conservatives, if you must know. <laughs> CC. Okay. I like that. All right. At each stage of our religious development, as our sense of God's wonder deepens, we sing differently to God. We sing a new song. And that is by Levi Yitzhak of Berdichved. I'm sorry, I butchered your name, Levi. Berdichev. Yeah, but that's the town he's from. And Berdichev. Berdichev is the town where the Bial Shem Tov lived. So ah. this rabbi is a disciple of the Bial Shem Tov. So good word, darling. Good, okay. good choice. And I would not have had the understanding in that statement from the Rebbe if I hadn't heard my own singing transform in the middle of singing to Hashem. Oh, yeah. And you heard that, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. It's the klipa or the animal soul that starts out singing when we're crusty, especially in the mornings for most of us. <laughs> and then as you progress in your singing with kavana, which is what? Intention. Right? Intention okay. and devotion. Yeah. Yes. And then we are absorbed by the einsof. The spirit and, of God. And it just transforms. You can feel in internal power of the soul. When we worship, I sit in a comfortable chair next to Deborah's comfortable chair, okay? And and when we're live streaming our synagogue and we're worshiping God, I mean, I can tell when the spirit gets her. And usually I'll reach over and just touch her shoulder and she knows, yep, that's it. You know, <laughs> it, it's noticeable because she's feeling it, but I let her know it's noticeable that what she's feeling so it's yes good. yes 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 okay so and again we are deborah cohen and my husband marty and i want to give a shout out to joey weisenberg this mm -hmm. book here is transforming trying to get closer to god through singing and this is the message today how do we get closer to god and what would you say if somebody asked you, do you believe in God? Is that well, yeah. Everybody is that would a say good yes. question to ask somebody right. when you first meet them? No. No. And, of course, this thought comes from our Rabbi Rosenthal at Ahavath Achim Synagogue. He had this incredible discussion about what would you really say to somebody in this context? And what does it mean, do you believe in God? What does that really mean? Do you believe in God? And he talked about, Rabbi Rosenthal, this issue of giving God a sacrifice of praise, let's say. That's the contemporary association with the word sacrifice. And it doesn't really, in English, tell you what sacrifice really means. It sounds like you're giving something of yourself up. And he says that's such an egregious translation from the Hebrew because really it's not that we're giving anything up. It's that we're getting closer to God. That changes the whole meaning of sacrifice, korbanot. Right. And in order to do that, I, I guess you could say, yes, you're sacrificing in today's day and age where we're obsessed with technology and cell phones to be able to put your 
bone off during a a service is in itself a sacrifice, <laughs> but it goes way beyond that in your relationship with Hashem, which some people don't know you can have. Right. And that is, what do you do? Are you close to God? Think about that for a minute. Mm -hmm. Are you close to God? And when we ask people this question, some may say, well, I don't know. How do we get close to God? It's impossible to get close. It is possible to get close to God. He wants us to be close to him. Baruch Hashem. So how can we get close to God? And that is what we're talking about today. And if I may. Yeah. You know, I'm at a point in my life right now where I feel like I'm close to God. But I continually, every day, want to get closer. And so if you feel like you are close to God, don't turn this service off. Don't, don't turn the message off yet, okay? You can get closer. And that's what we're talking about, really. It's getting close and closer and closer and closer and closer. Yes, and the elevations of praise, because the word kor korbanot or korban is from the word lekarov, which in itself means to become close. Right. So whoever translated korbanot from Hebrew to English into sacrifice really blew it. Yeah. Really blew it. So start to think to yourself during this discussion, are you close to God? And so how can you get close to God? By singing. Singing nigun, nigunim. And nigunim are primarily wordless melodies. We do add our liturgical words to some melodies, and we'll show you a sample today. But I want to thank Rabbi Sam again for referring us on this journey with Joey Weisenberg, who is a teacher of Nigunim. And you can actually join his class for $18 a month. And you just look up Joey Weisenberg on Google and you'll find him that way. Okay. Are we ready to begin sharing a little story? Rock on, baby. We're ready. Okay. <laughs> This story is from Torah4Blind.org, and it's called The Music of Return. And I thought it would be a really good thing to share with you, to set the scene, and to help you to understand how singing brings you closer to God. There is a Jewish Pied Piper among us. Often, he strolls through Crown Heights and Flatbush, frequently through Greenwich Village. Many times he performs in holy places, invariably in galut or exile, yet always the haunting music he plays returns when you need it most. Wherever he roves, out of his head comes forth music played on the ancient musical instrument of Yuval, the one of the few things this Pied Piper of Hasidus, what we just talked about, uh, tells all his listeners is, you do not sing a nigun, it sings itself. Nigun, nigun, though I love thee, I did not yet know thee. Tell me of my creator and his creation. You are the reason of the heart that reason cannot understand. 
It's the stillness of runes made for the heart that this Pied Piper is surrounded by a mystical circle of ecstatic Jews who follow him not, not to the place where it leads, the ladder of the throne of God. His song plays like prayers. But before I tell you why, you should know the Agadah tells us. And let's pause and tell us what Agadah is. Okay, Agadah is one of the two primary components of rabbinic tradition, all right? The other is halakha. Now, halakha means rules or laws, all right? And, and Agadah tells us how to perform those mitzvot, those commandments. And so Agadah is the insight into walking in obedience. All right. So, but before I tell you why, you should know the Agadah tells us that one of the musical instruments employed in the temple service in Jerusalem was a pipe, a pipe made of ordinary reed, smooth and slender, dating back to the days of Moses. Now, when the king saw how valuable it was, he ordered that the pipe be encrusted with gold. But after that, whenever the pipe was played during the temple service, its voice was no longer as clear as it was before. So this king had the gold removed from this reed, and the pipe's voice again sounded as sweet as ever. And so it is with this modern-day Pied Piper, Chaim Benjamin Burston, whose own musical roots are deep and unencrusted in Yiddishkeit. What is Yiddishkeit? Yiddishkeit, it means Jewishness, all right? Uh, it, it's, it's a Jewish way of life. Now, what it does, though, it, it's really um, it's Jewishness from an Ashkenazi Jew, from Eastern European Jews. It's the way they live. And, and that way that they live has pretty much de designed or described how most Jewish people live today, like, um, like certain kinds of food. For Purim, we have hamantashen, these little uh, triangular-shaped, wonderful little cookies that Deborah's going to make some for us Ooh. Wednesday night and Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Okay, okay. So in Yiddishkeit, except that instead of a reed pipe, he uses the latest digital keyboard to play nigunim pure and simple. <laughs> As a young yeshiva, yeshiva student in Kfar Kabad, Israel, he spent many Sabbath afternoons after the Minka service, which is the afternoon check-in with God, joining hundreds of other students in songs that seemed to dance and skip along the darkening walls and the ceilings of the yeshiva. There, he fully felt the power of the nigun. Others have felt that same power of the nigun. For instance, at a different time across the world in Crown Heights, a brand new yeshiva student complained how hard a Hasidic text the Tanya was to comprehend. In response, his rabbi asked him to sing along with us. So the new student was about to experience his first nigun. The reassuring rabbi said, don't worry, Eliyahu, you are in good company. Rabbi Dov Bear, the son and successor of Rabbi Schneer Zalman of Liadi, often used to say, my saintly father could penetrate into the innermost recesses of Hasid's soul by either a word of Hasidus or a nagoon. Now, let me give a little explanation here. What he's saying is, look, a word of Hasidus, that's instruction. And it's instruction about not what to do, but how to do it. And that is really a sweet lesson for any student, all right? But here he's saying that, look, this, this rabbi 
could convey that same kind of a heartfelt message in a nagun. And I like that. The yeshiva rabbi was absolutely right. Eliyahu was never the same again after he sang his first nagun. In the words of the Hasidic teacher, Eliyahu's soul had linked for those brief moments in dvichas, which means attaching oneself to divinity. He fully grasped the words of Rabbi Shnur Zaman, himself a young man, when he said them, speech is the pen of the heart, while melody is the pen of the soul. Ah, so it sounds like this is a way to get closer to Hashem. Mm -hmm. In a Jew's heart and mind, there's always room for more tears and more joy. The mix that makes his neshama, his Jewish soul, so well connected to the realms of heavens. Nobody invents nigunim. The nigun takes you through a door to a ladder which you climb up wherever you gaze in the face of creation. Then you climb down the ladder whereupon you leave by the door you entered. Where are you then? Not exactly in the same place, but always where you started. For that's the power of the nigun. It's a revolving musical door, always returning you to earth so that you can't know, so that you must share the experience with others, your friends, your family, with yourself. The Torah insight, the truth that has never been known to you until that very moment. To the Hasidim, the followers of Baal Shem Tov, 1698 to 1700, founder of Hasidim, and Rabbi Shneer Zalman of Liadi, founder of Chabad Hasidism, the 18th century mystical song, was an integral part of the prayer experience. Many Hasidic rabbis felt that words were an impediment to spiritual expression, a wall standing between the communion of the individual and his God. Consequently, many nigunim were sung without words. There's a legendary story about Rabbi Schneer Zalman of Ladi. In his time, there were anti-Hasidic scholars who lived in a town called Shkolov. <laughs> All reasonable intellectuals, they never opposed anything without a rationale. So a group of them con con confronted the Alter Rebbe, which means the high rabbi, the, the leader of this Chabad sect, with questions concerning Chabad philosophy. And he entertained each one's questions, but he didn't answer it. He took them all into one room and he joined them. There he sang one of his famous wordless nigunim. Everyone heard the same nigun, but everyone heard his own answer to his own question. And it didn't end there, however. For many years, they continued as followers to ask him many more questions. Who can explain that? In Hasidus, there are two kinds of questions. One kind is purely intellectual question. It could be a simple request, such as, how do I get to Lincoln Center? When he receives, with a certain mental understanding about how to go from one place to another, his answer, the question is over. But there's another question, not a question of the intellect, but a question of the heart. The difference is that when you answer that question the next day, the person will have another question, or even the same question all over again. I recall when I first became an Orthodox Jew, said Chaim Benjamin, one of my closest friends asked me every question on his mind. Why was I doing this? 
why was I doing that? <laughs> and in the beginning, I'd answer them and explain and explain. I remember once, as I was preparing to go back to my yeshiva, this same friend suddenly raised the same questions again. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? This is when I realized that you can explain why for an eternity. The questions are emotional, and they are not satisfied with an intellectual answer. <sighs> Wherever he goes, Chaim Benjamin holds classes or musicales to promote his special arrangements of wordless nigurim, which he also has produced commercially on audio cassettes. After playing a few nigunim, he found Jews, some who had musical appreciation, from Yehudi Menuhin to heavy metal, will have more emotional questions than intellectual questions. Ah, when people bring their emotional resistance to a regular class, Chaim Benjamin said, then you can intellectualize, <laughs> you can explain, and after a while, you hope they're satisfied and affected. But when people come to a class centered around nigunim, in other words, not intellectual by and large, but filled with emotionality, where the music is purely Jewish and in a different dimension altogether that reaches straight to the heart, it does something that intellect cannot necessarily do. And nigun plays like a prayer. When a person davens, he mouths words. Now, daven means to pray. He mouths words. But when a person reads a newspaper, he's also mouthing words. Both of, both, of course, are utterances involving the mouth, the lips, and the teeth. But what's the difference? The difference is that when davening, there is a koak, a strength. Every Jew who davens uses his koak in his words to send them to Yerushalayim, where they are picked up by angels and brought to God. With the words of the newspaper, that's as far as they go. Wow. And Nagoon also has its koach. Once you hear a Nagoon, you know it's more than music. Oh, yes. The beauty of them is that they're profound and simple at the same time, Chaim Benjamin said. As Chasidus tells us, the highest level of godliness is simplicity. Mm, that's a hard lesson to learn. Worth mentioning is another story of the rhapsodic fame and simplicity of the Nigunim, again involving Rabbi Schneur Zalman of Liadi, a man of unconventional ways. He filled his homilies with folk tales and wise sayings of the Jewish people. One day, as he preached in the shul, the synagogue, he noticed a bewildered look on an old man who was trying hard to get the drift of his words. After he'd finished his sermon and the congregation was departed, he said to the old man, I saw by your expression on your face you didn't understand my sermon. Yes, you are right, Rebbe, confessed the old man. Go ahead. No, we're playing a role. Okay. The modest Rebbe apologized, saying, it may have been my fault. Perhaps I was not clear enough. At any rate, I'm going to sing it to you now. For melody goes right to the heart and understanding where words fall. And so he threw his head back and closing his eyes, sang with ecstasy. A nigun, the song of return. As the old man listened, his face lit up. I understand your sermon now, Rebbe, he explained happily. According to Nathan Osbell, the author of A Treasury of Jewish Folklore, 
There are an astonishing number of Hasidic songs and dances representing the probably the most distinguished and original element in the musical creation of the Jewish folk. Like their lyrics, Hasidic tunes are steeped in mystical rapture. The lively ecstatic ones usually served as vocal obligati to the famed dancers in the mystic circle. Comparatively of slower movement are the cadre of 10 Chabad Nigunim with a distinctive character and temperament of their own created by Rabbi Zalman. Mm. Although he didn't write the first Nigun, nor did he write the last one, his 10 are greatly revered as the classics of Chabad Nigunim the world over. Hasidic and liturgical music known as Nigunah can be traced to the divine service in the temple of old, where the Levites accompanied it by vocal and instrumental music, which was absolutely essential to the service. Sound and rhythm, beat and movement, meter and tempo all had their place in the temple service in those days. That was way back then. Today, Nigunim have generally been consigned to proper places in shuls before, during, and after davening, and fabrengens, informal Hasidic gatherings, which means not too many people are exposed to them unless they happen to be in the right place at the right time. As you folks are now. Today. <laughs> many people are not interested in going to a formal class or to a shul for a night of Yiddishkeit where a rabbi is speaking. But to hear via a friend about a musical experience, a mystical transformation where there's going to be a live concert, atmosphere, and food served, they come in ever-increasing numbers to hear Kayam Benyamin play Nigunim. And the first person in the Torah who invented musical instruments was Yuval, or Jubal. In Genesis, it says he was the father of the flute, the wind instruments, and the harp, the strings. Now... What is the etymology of Yuval? It means to transport. The whole idea of music is to transport the person's soul. <laughs> However, it's really not only a matter of being transported, but also a matter of where you are going and in what shape you'll return. Are new name new age music? Admittedly. In the way of Chaim Benjamin performances, Nigun or Nigunim, they come off in, in a certain sense very much new age because people listening to them get the feeling of being transported and raised through meditation to an elevated state. But Nigunim listeners quickly learn that these Jewish melodies are hundreds of years old in a very pure musical form with melody that is e extremely meaningful. To them. Where does a nigun come from? It is a pure Jewish song that has its roots in holiness composed by a Rebbe or a Chassid who's on a high level of attachment to God. A nigun, Chaim Benjamin said, is conceived at a time of inspiration in a Jew's davening or other godly experience through him but not from him. He's a vehicle for the nigun from the higher source. As it says in Chassidus or in the Kabbalah, there are different palaces. There are certain divine realms of influence above. There's a source of teshuvah, which means repentance or turning around above. 
There's a source of different kinds of berakot, blessings, above. And there's also a certain spiritual realm of nigodim above. There, all the nigodim exist from the beginning of time, waiting for the right Jewish soul to go up into this realm and bring down the nigun like a blessing from the upper world to the lower world. Wow. Yeah, nigunim, exactly. <laughs> nigunim, as recorded in the three tapes of Chaim Benjamin Burstyn, are truly the music of return. In Jewish tradition, Chaim Benjamin said, elevation without return is not valid. The essence of Judaism and godliness is the combination of opposites. Elevation and return are one such combination of opposites. Go up, take your inspiration, but come down and translate it into deeds for everyday life. That is the Jewish point of view. That's Yiddishkeit. After all this, Chaim Benjamin, how does your old school friend feel about your Yiddishkeit now? Chaim Benjamin grinned. Well, you know, he still asks countless questions, but this is the nature of all searching Jews. What pleases me most, however, is that we're closer than ever. He's come to love Nigunim, and through them has involved himself in his own search for answers, which means he too is, is well on the path to Yiddishkeit. <laughs> that is what the haunting music of return, the deep calling unto the deep, is all about. Zebamet, and that yes. is truth. Yes. Amen and amen. <laughs> and so I hope that you enjoyed this st story, and I hope that it answers, at least in part, what is a way to get close to God? Are you close to God? And now you know, after listening to this story, there is a way to get close to God. In listening to a nigunim, a nigun, but more than that, participating. And it's easy to participate when there are not any words. <laughs> the first things you have to get over is yourself. <laughs> Especially exactly. if somebody has told you, like I've been told, that you can't sing. My mother told me as a child, I sound like a sick cow when I sing. And it took me a long time to get over that because it damaged me in a lot of ways. So this is a safe place for you to open your mouth and make a sound, a joyful noise. No matter what pitch or key, there are trainings once you get the courage because opening your mouth and singing takes courage in front of people because there's so many critics out there. <laughs> Once you get in touch with your soul voice, then if you want it to be better, there are trainings that are essential. Ear training is primal. Ear training classes, there's no excuse for singing off key because there are classes for you don't say I can't hear, pitch, or there are classes to help you with this. And it's a matter of hearing and listening. And so today I thought I would share, because this discussion mentions a pipe, it would be nice to hear a pipe and let us practice immersing in a nigun now that we understand it's an active role of listening and see where we are transported. Did you want to add anything to that, Marty? No, not, well, one thing, one thing. Um, this ear training will really help you in, in feeling better about your singing, but 
it's really, it's not about how you hear, sound to yourself. And, and, you know, when, when uh, a guy marries a woman, she is the most beautiful woman in the world. Now, he may be the only person that thinks that, all right? But to him, he's the only she's the only beautiful person in the world. And when you join in this nagun, guess what? Your voice is the most beautiful voice in the world to Hashem, to God. He hadn't heard it before, all right? And, and just to hear it gives him great joy of that, I'm certain. So, Yeah, so get your voice ready. Me, me, me. Me, 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 me. <laughs> but for right now, I would like to share this uh, pipe, this flute, pertaining to this story and let you feel, yeah. feel see how you feel it's emotional <laughs> yeah it's emotional instead of Very just fun. intellectual it takes you to a higher place in hashem so let us go there <laughs> Join in if you want. Weisenberg that you're watching right now or listening to. like to share an excerpt from his book again the Torah of music on page 27 talking about 
the concept when you're singing of getting closer to Hashem, capturing that nagoon that's up there waiting to be sung, and then once you hear it, voicing it, making it sound to people, repeating it until you feel comfortable with it, letting others join in, and then it comes back down here as a connected Jewish soul singing together. Right. And um, it's the concept of sulam in Hebrew, which means ladder, and it also means musical scale. Melodies form a divine ladder that connects the earth with the heavens. Perhaps the most famous story of a path to the heavens is the story of Jacob's ladder. It begins, And Jacob dreamt, and there was a sulam standing on the ground with its head touching the sky, and behold, God's angels were going up and down. Now angels represent the essential human powers within us, that koach, and unlike humans, they fulfill one essential function, singing. As the Rambam explains, and let it be deeply known to you that the essential powers of humankind and of nature and of the soul are called angels, that every day the Holy Blessed One creates a choir of angels that sing song before him and then move on. And who comes to mind when I hear this is Melissa <laughs> at AA. When she sings, yeah. there's a koach, an angelic koach, a power that you can feel in her singing. It's her soul yeah. singing. That's right. And this takes practice. Of course. Of course it takes it practice. In closing, I'd like to share a video clip from our Friday night synagogue where Praise myself God. and Marty had this splendiferous time singing to Hashem with our Rabbi Sam Bleston and Rabbi Rosenthal and Melissa. Now you won't hear us singing in the video because somehow the way it's set up that they, they don't pick up the uh, voices in the audience. But we were there, rocking on. We were there, <laughs> and if you would like to sing along, the song that I'm going to share with you is Osei Shalom B'Romav. Oh, yeah. And as an introduction, to give credit to the author, it was written by uh, Norit Hirsch. She composed this song for the first Hasidic song festival held in 1969 which took third prize. Her melody has since become part of the liturgy in synagogues and Jewish communities worldwide. And for those of you that don't yet know what Osei Shalom means, I can read to you in the English first because it's important when you're singing to have understanding of what you are singing. May the one who creates peace on high bring peace to us and to all Israel, and to all who dwell on the earth. And we say, Amen. And this is a good time to bring this song up in light of what's happening in the Ukraine. Indeed. This is a way to pray in song. And when we do sing Nagun, we get understanding of the Torah 
in the hearing of the sound because it's a sound from heaven. Did you want to add anything to that, Marty? Not a thing. Rock, just turn it on. <laughs> okay, let's find it. Well, let me, while you're looking, let me just okay. tell you. Um, before the service yesterday, and actually just before the, well, no, for, for Rabbi Rosenthal, he's a senior rabbi, for his message yesterday, he said, look, I've been asked to talk about what's going on in the Ukraine. And he says, I really don't like talking about things like that um, because it's so political. He said, but I'm going to talk, but that's, I'm going to tell you why I don't want to do it. And then I'm going to do it. And so what he did though, is he showed us how what's going on in the Ukraine today. It's the Purim story re being relived for us. All right. Um, this, this vile man named Haman, who is an Amalekite and we won't go into all that now, but anyway, a, a big enemy of Israel. Um, he had the king's ear, and, and he was the, the number two guy in the kingdom. And so he persuaded the king that it was a good thing to kill all the Jews, and he was going to do that. But um, Mordecai and Esther um, were vitally involved, and, and so what happened is that the king you know, issued a decree that all the Jews would be killed on this date in Adar, and, and, but then... The king, when they came to him and says, hey, this guy Mordecai, he wants to kill me and my people and, and because the king didn't know that Esther was Jewish. And so he said, well, we're going to stop that, but it's, I've already issued a decree and I can't go against that. I issue a new decree. The Jews can arm themselves and defend themselves. And so he, he equated that story with what's going on in the Ukraine today. Putin as Haman, all right? And, and the question was, are we Ahasuerus, asleep at the wheel, or are we Mordecai, standing up for our faith and taking action? And so. Yes, that was a wonderful way to understand that Purim is not just a story from the past. Right. It's the, the Hebrew Bible is prophetic in nature. There's different revealings of life right in different time frames and we can see the parallel between the Purim story and the Ukraine story today that's true if you're looking at this screen you may or may not see it but if you are looking you can see Marty in the left and I'm uh, beside him on the right we're standing in the front row and then up front is Rabbi Rosenthal on the left, and then together standing are Rabbi Sam Bluston and the angelic voice of <laughs> Melissa. So let us join in knowing that we're singing a prayer for Ukraine yes. and for all the world to be at peace as we listen to this short nigunim, nigun. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> 
transformation exactly. transportation exactly. as you immerse and surrender yourself to the song and listen listen with to the still small voice in the heavens that's bringing you up the ladder the sulam mm-hmm. and then bringing it back down to share with all the people so in closing do you have anything you'd like to share marty just that you know what we've shared with you this morning is is insight into a real simple practice that anybody can enjoy, all right? And, you know, like the, the Nagoon we just sang had words in it, but you don't have to have words, you know? When Joey was singing, there were no words in that. There was just melody and, and, and just v- verbalization, um, you know? And, and if you can verbalize with I did it, I die, die, or ooh, 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 or ah, ah, whatever you want. La, 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 right, whatever you want. And, and in doing it, though, what you'll find is that you'll typically, you'll start out, like I always, at the beginning of a service, I start singing about like this. But by the end of the service, I'm way up here because my soul has been elevated and it lifts my voice up and it makes it sound more happy and joyous because that's the purpose. You know, we need to celebrate God in our lives. All right. And no matter what your relationship is with God whether you feel close to him or far, far away, guess what? If you're far, far away, you can get a little closer and a little closer and a little closer and a little closer until now you and God are like two peas in a pod. And that's his desire, all right? God created the world just so you could have a relationship with him, just you. That was the whole purpose. You know, we're just extras. And, and you got to have an understanding of that. you got to have a passion to get so close to the creator that you can enjoy him more than you ever have enjoyed anything. And, you know, this woman over here, I love with all my heart. I love her more than anything except God. And she loves me more than anything except God. And that's perfect relationship. All right. And, and because of that, God has made our relationship so much closer so much better. And, and when, when we met, Deborah was already pretty well along in this path of elevating soul. I was not, all right? I was not at all there. But through God's word, through this woman that God has used to bring me closer and closer and closer to him, man, 
it's it's the best place in the world to be. It's a joyful, joyous, joyous place. Now, if you don't want to be happy, don't go there. All right. If you want to live your life miserable and grumpy, do not start doing this. All right. Because it's going to change you. I promise it's going to change you. Yes. So that's all. Not I only want. thank you for sharing that. And not only will it change you, it will heal you. Oh, and I, yeah. when I say it, that's not proper. I would say God will heal you. And I can right. testify to that. Amen. It's always been when I've been singing to God that he has brought his healing. Always. Amen. I uh, was uh, cured from a Meniere's disease in, I think it was the early 2000, singing in a choir. I was healed from Lyme disease, singing in a synagogue bef right before I met you, Marty. Right. And I was healed from an infracted airway that because I had inhaled encapsulated pesticides. I still have residual sensitivity to synthetic smells, chemicals, but I can sing. And uh, when I was struck down with that, I was on, um, I think it's Provencal inhaler. Uh, I was, I sounded like a, those singers that have had too many cigarettes. <laughs> so, raspy, raspy. Yes, raspy, yeah, which is yeah. great, you know, but yeah. not all the time. Right. Uh, so God is a healer. Amen. I pray that you receive healing if you need healing. Uh, that's another reason for you to join us every week. Sundays at 10 a.m. Eastern Time in the Facebook group, Nagoon Zoom, or in the Zoom room. If you want to join us here and participate, we would be thrilled Amen. to hear we you. Sure would. We sure if you would. are a, uh, a Chazan leader and you already have experience doing this, teaching this, you are welcome to join me and lead a session because would be i would great. love to learn from you as well Amen. you can contact me by email my email is deborah cohen music at gmail.com again that's deborah cohen music d-e-b-r-a cohen c-o-h-e-n music at gmail.com so Amen. thank you for listening and bring a friend share this with somebody that needs a healing or is just in a funk and doesn't know how to get close to God. And let me just sign off in a typical Georgia way. Y'all come back now, you hear? <laughs> yeah. All right. Shalom to your home. <laughs> yes, indeed. God bless every one of you. Shalom, shalom, shalom. Blessings on each one of you. And faith is the antidote to fear. Amen.